0: We need the great, eternal touch of your mighty hand, O oh God. O oh Lord, allow us to go forward in the power of your might, clearing every mountain, bringing up every valley, O oh Lord, straightening out that which is crooked, smoothing out the rough old oh, great God, I give you praise. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. In Jesus' great name, we give you praise and we give you thanks. And everybody said amen. Amen. You have a Bible this morning. I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians. If you have trouble finding that, and you know where the book of Acts is, just go forward, and uh, you'll eventually get to it. Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians, okay? Just work your way forward a little bit. All right. In Colossians, I'm looking at the very last verse of chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 29 Wherefore, I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Everybody said, praise the Lord. All right. Colossians 129. And the Apostle Paul inspired to write to the new congregation at a place called Colossians. Okay everybody said hallelujah all right whereunto i also labour striving according to the working or to his working which worketh in me mightily all right I want to deal with the mighty work in me you may be seated the lord bless you the mighty work in me i uh asked somebody this morning on their job what was the limits of toleration for being late. And uh, told the individual, think about that. You know, we've got to be careful because sometimes we put God last when God should be first. And we have a tendency to let things slide when it comes to God And yet, we're so prompt and so punctual and so motivated about other things in life that really don't matter all that much. And I do know that there is the day-to-day, and I do know that people worry about the roof over their head or the food on the table or the clothes on their back. And oh, ladies, don't we worry about those clothes, especially if we say shoes and purses, right? Okay. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. But what I'm saying to you is that Jesus said for us not to chase after those things and to be worried about those things, caring about those things, he said, because your heavenly Father knows that you have need. Now, ladies, I got to tell you, there's a difference between need and want. All right. And I know that there can be a whole lot of wanting that goes on when you see those those purses out there and those shoes out there in particular. And, uh, and I also know that it's written in the ladies' manual one and one that when the going gets tough, then the tough go shopping. I know. Okay. I got that. All right. I understand. <laughs> and God bless you. <laughs> and I'm happy for a little bit of comfort that you get from that. But I'd like you to remember that your mighty comfort comes from the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and you want to keep that in mind because you know what? The Holy Ghost comfort is lasting comfort. It sticks with you. There has been, um, there has been times when moms would give a child a certain thing to eat. Uh, because they told them it'll stick with you. It'll stick to your ribs. And uh, good advice usually, and healthy advice. And um, maybe it gives you stamina, helps you to keep on keeping on. It'll be there. You know, this fast food stuff, I think, lasts about five minutes, and then next thing you know you're hungry again, and there's no sustenance to it. There's, you might as well be eating plexiglass or wood or something as far as nutrition goes, and uh, boy, I'm really on your toes this morning, aren't I? And uh, But you know, I didn't really, seriously, we had a young man in our academy, and you know, he got to be about 18, uh, and of course, you know, when you're 18, all of a sudden, bing, you know everything, right? And uh, stepping right out there, I love it, I love it, I love it. So you're going to get your own house going to buy your own car going to pay your own insurance no more can I have some money for gas you're gonna buy your own gas right 18 yeah all that kind of stuff well anyway he was he was feeling all that and he was uh had a little couple of pennies in his pocket I suppose and he was making the rounds from between Burger King and McDonald's and, lo and behold, he didn't feel too good. And he got so sickly feeling that he went to the hospital. And they asked him, they said, where have you been eating? Or have you been eating? By the distension of his stomach, it looked like he'd been eating. You know, It looked like somebody stuck a little pin in there with a pump and pumped it up, you know. And... uh He said Burger King and McDonald's for the last 30 days. And they went, "Uh uh-huh. And they said, and that's why you have malnutrition. That's what's wrong with you. There's just not anything really good in there. You know, what we get from God is good. I have one sister in in our church in Fort Myers, and she always tells me, God is good. Senior pastor, God is good. And I always tell him, yes, he is. <laughs> oh, I agree with that 100%. You, you get a big amen out of the preacher on that one. And uh, I want to tell you that everything that, isn't it written, taste and see that the Lord, he is good? And if you'll, if you'll look unto him, and if you'll lift your heart with your hands unto him, and if you will take in the good word of God, which the Bible said it's bread that'll make you strong, and, and it'll it'll uh, it's it's likened to new wine, not alcoholic wine, but Holy Ghost wine that'll make your face to shine. Everybody said Amen. Yeah, God'll put something on you that that you can't get at the counter, at Macy's and all those other places. Hear me now. You get that Holy Ghost shine. You get that light from God that the Bible even determined. even determined that the light, Thy light, is sweet. Think about that. a sweet light. It just brightens up your life. It'll brighten up everything. See people and they get they get a darkness about them. They get a, a hatred about them. They get a bad spirit about them. And uh, if they ever did have a light, well, it's it's getting dim. And the Bible used the word dim or dimness It's right in the Scripture. And, uh, you know, it's important, church family, for all of us to learn to work with God's work. And uh, he did say that he would do a work. And he said it would be such a work that though a man would declare it unto you, there would be those that wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it. But, you know, we're people of faith. Everybody said amen? We're walking by faith. We're putting, in other words, our trust and our confidence in him. everybody said amen. There are people that say they believe and there's not anything about them that would even suggest that they're believing. They're going in all the wrong directions. They're speaking all the wrong words. They're thinking all the wrong thoughts. And they're acting all the wrong ways. People who are believing. People who are of faith. People who trust in the Lord and put their confidence in. In the Lord. They don't have corrupt communication coming out of their mouths. And that communication can be any kind of communication, you know, whether it's social media or on the cell phone or if you send smoke signals, (laughs) you know, like the Indians. Uh, When you get the Holy Ghost, you're baptized in Jesus' name. One man said, how can we believe in the same God and yet believe so differently? And I said, yeah, well, the, the difference between actually believing the way the Bible teaches and believing the way a human spirit that is inspired by an ugly spirit believes, are definitely polarized. They're definitely very far apart, and they're going to wind up as far apart, not so much east and west, but heaven and hell. And that's what everybody needs to think about, because it's your eternal destination that is really important here. It's Really important. The Bible did say, good, enjoy life. Enjoy your youth. Enjoy your health. Enjoy your strength. All the natural things on a natural plane. It teaches that. Rejoice in those things. But it said, just remember that those days will come to an end and that everything will come into judgment. And so it said, Be ready for the days of darkness. Well, you know, that's in the Old Testament. And that's in a book that was dealing with life in the natural. I like the book that follows it because it it begins to take the spiritual viewpoint. And you and I, we're living in a time when, because God, who is a spirit, not an old man, You know, shuffling around through the corridors of heaven or something. God is a spirit. The Bible said the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him. He's a spirit. So get that natural misconception out of your mind. You ever hear people say, well, you don't want to make sure the man upstairs. There is no man upstairs. God is a spirit. God is the Spirit. And so the Scripture teaches that because the Spirit so loved the world that He gave, He gave a sacrifice. He prepared a body for a sacrifice. wasn't going to be a ram or a bullock like they did in the Old Testament under the law And Paul said he didn't want to be found having his own righteousness, which is under the law. (laughs) No, because now we've come to where God said, I'm going to make a new agreement. I'm going to take the first agreement and I'm going to abolish it. I'm going to wipe it out. First I'm going to fulfill it, and then I'm just going to totally do away with it and I'm going to bring a new agreement. The new agreement is going to supersede the old agreement or covenant. It's going to be a New Testament, a new will, a new covenant, a new agreement. People came along and they wanted to make what they call the Protestant Reformation. They wanted to say that there was a reforming that went on through protest. That's what that means. So let me put a little pause on that and go back to God loving this world. His spirit so loving this world that he robed himself in flesh. Walked among men and women, boys and girls and brought healing, brought miracles. And most especially, he brought the birth of the New Testament church. The church that he said, I'll build upon the rock, upon the foundation that, of who I am. That among you in the flesh, I'm the Christ. I'm the one that the devils are crying out saying, are you come to torment us before the time? He had told them to hold their peace because they were saying, we know who you are. Well, he wasn't quite ready to just proclaim to everybody who he was. But one day he asked the disciples, he said, whom do men say that I am? Ah, You're one of the prophets, one of the old prophets, risen up, John the Baptist, somebody. He said, all right, who do you say that I am? Talk about a pop quiz. And he said, Peter spoke up. You know, it's really nice when you can speak in the Holy Ghost, when your words can be good and true, that there's no ulterior motive behind them. That you're not just trying to cover up your own dirt. Let me tell you something. You had not got anything that will work to cover your own dirt. It takes the blood of the Lamb. And woe to them that try to cover with a covering that is not of my spirit, saith the Lord. The only covering, my friend, is the blood of the Lamb. And you get that blood through the name that's above every name. The name that the church is built upon. The revelation of who he is. God come in the flesh. Spirit robed in flesh. He went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Raising the dead, cleansing the leper. All kinds of marvelous things that he did for people. Opening blind eyes. Marvelous things that he did. And the time came, as he told them, shall I say four told them, that uh, they're going to take me, and they're going to beat me. They're going to talk ugly, and they're going to lie on me. They're going to say all kinds of things. They're going to try all kinds of little tricks, shenanigans, twistings of things, because their mind is so befuddled. And uh, eventually they're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. And they tried to dissuade him. They tried to get him to turn to the right or go to the left. One place, the scripture said very plainly that on his way to Jerusalem, knowing full well that everything he told his disciples was waiting for him there, they were going to beat the socks off of him. And they were going to spit on him, and they were going to talk ugly and lie and all kinds of things, and then eventually crucify him. Knowing full well, he began to head in that direction. And uh, in route, there was some folks off to one side, a little town, a little hamlet, a little village, a little area. They wanted him to come there, but they saw that his face was steadfastly set towards Jerusalem and that he was not going to turn off to the left or turn off to the right. You know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you that those people got upset and they got mad and they got put out, and that's how people are going to be when you are determined, and Paul used that term, for I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. And him crucified that they they saw the determination in him that he was going to go to Jerusalem he was not Going to go to the left or to the right or like somebody told me recently there were limitations To just how far they would go and we do try to work with people We do try to pray for people and we do pray for them and we do try to be tolerant you know and we do try to encourage people to do the right. But after a while, we do have to draw the line. There is a, a ministry here. There is a work here. There is a job, if you please, if you need that kind of terminology. Some people only identify well with the secular terminologies. Yeah. They absolutely saw that Jesus wasn't turning. He just wasn't turning. He wasn't going to be tripped up or distracted by anything. Even though he knew what he was marching to was going to cost him. And in his case, it comes back again and I tell it from time to time about the the chicken and the pig and they were going along and the chicken suddenly had this big heart and said, they look hungry over there. Why don't we give them breakfast? And the pig looked up and he said, you know, for you, that's just dropping an egg or two. No big deal. You'll just go on. He said, but for me, he said, that's 100% commitment. Well, I'm saying to you, church family, that Jesus went on to Jerusalem because, and knowing that it was a 100% commitment. Knowing that the, the dropping of the egg and a little good here and a little good there and a, a healing here and a blind eye open there and you know, raise this person from the dead and cast the devil out of this person and set their lives straight. That they're not tormented and all twisted up in their thinking, and their attitude because they've been delivered from the devil that does those things to people. Delivering them from a life that, of thinking that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And after all it's written that there was two men that came out of the catacombs. They'd been wandering in a dead-ended lifestyle, and they'd been cutting themselves, self-inflicted wounds, but blame everybody else. We lose lose the second guy. Scripture focuses on the one. And you talk about a display of the grace of God. To be in the terrible shape, and he was in chains. Remnants of chains, broken chains, were hanging from his wrists. Manacles. His clothes were almost 100% gone. I don't know if you read the paper the other day, but there was a guy out on Military Trail in West Palm Beach, standing in the median, naked. That's what the devil will do for you. That's how this guy was. He, he just came to Jesus, and he, he looks, lifts up his eyes, and he sees Jesus afar off, and he takes off running for him. Falls down at his feet. This guy's out of his mind. He's also out of clothes. And Jesus says, what is thy name? He said, legions, for we're many. Well, if you know anything about the army and the military, or the French as well as the English, you know, a legion is in the thousands. It's not 100 people. It's not 50. It's not a platoon. It's larger. And uh, so there was a bunch of devils in this guy, is the point. And um, one's bad enough get the one cast out again, he goes and gets seven more, more wicked than himself. And he comes back trying to get back into that house, you, that he was kicked out of, cast out of. Because he walks through dry places and he's miserable. Sometimes when a devil is casted out, you can hear them scream and wail for their misery. But they know that that's nothing to be compared with being casted out into the deep. Into hell. Into darkness. In the chains, in the midst of darkness. And they beg, don't don't cast us out into the deep, not before the time. Oh, they know it's coming. They know it's coming. And the, and the thing is, there. what's coming for them and, and people in eternity is just that. It's eternal. It's world without end. It's not a temporary thing. It's not, it doesn't come under the category or the heading of this too shall pass. That's not going to pass. That's not going to end. Jesus casted those devils out of him and lo and behold, He who formerly could not be controlled by anybody. You know, some people, what scares me is that some people claim this experience with God whose name is Jesus. That's his name above every name. They claim this experience and they can't be pastored. Now that's a scary thing. It's a worrisome thing. This man, legions of devils cast it out of him. Even the a herd of swine couldn't abide that. The devils begged to be cast into the herd of swine. Don't cast us into the deep. Let us go into that herd of swine. Imagine the, the devil is begging God. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe that's an example you might want to learn from the devil. There are all things you can learn from the devil, believe it or not. That's one of them. Might want to learn how to beg God a little bit. One writer said, roaring mightily. The other writer said, praying effectually and fervently, calling on God, begging God. So, Jesus said, go ahead. Cast the devils out to the herd of swine. The herd of swine showed better sense than some people. <laughs> they ran off the edge of the thing and they were Trying any way they could to get rid of the evil spirit in them, and of course it didn't work, and it never will work. I don't know if you read about three students right up just above Fort Myers in Northport High School that the principal was practicing hypnosis. Hypnosis, hmm? Come here, Jose. Student, we got a student. Student got a problem here. Look at this. Look at this. Okay, I'm going to program you now. Three days from now, you're going to commit suicide. Okay, go sit down. That's their answer to things. That's how they do things. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Three kids. And the only thing in common among these kids was that they'd all been hypnotized by the same guy in that school. And all three of them committed suicide. And all three of them were very gifted, very promising lives ahead of them. Yeah. One of them was applying to be accepted at the Juilliard School of Music, which is the top music school in New York. Okay. And maybe beyond New York, but definitely in New York. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's what the devil likes to do to people. Just get to fooling around with the wrong kind of spirits. Get to playing games. And you open yourself up to the entrance of evil spirits. How much better where God said that He's given us an entrance into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. How much better an abundant entrance at that, the Scripture says. It's not a a little tiny thing. It's an abundant entrance to heavenly things. I'd much rather take God's abundant entrance to heavenly things than to find myself hoovering over Hell that hath enlarged itself without measure. Trying to swallow up everybody that it can because hell and the grave are never satisfied, the Scripture said. You just can't, like some of our young men, you just can't fill them up with enough food, right? They're still hungry. Watch how hell is. It don't matter how many descend, into the sides of the pit, into the lowest levels. Doesn't matter. Still not satisfied. I know it's not quote unquote in the Bible, but I believe I could teach it from the scripture that misery loves company. Because the devil is certainly miserable and he certainly wants a lot of company. He's never satisfied. You better know something. The devil wants you. You better understand that. He wants you. But Jesus made a way of escape. He even asked some people that couldn't be pastors, Some people that wouldn't work with the work. The mighty work. He said, "How shall you escape the damnation of hell? Fire! Well, if you reject this, please tell me how you going to do that. Some people think they're going to they're going to take drugs. You reading the paper about the former NBA basketball player? And I believe that was a very depressed man." And he was looking for an escape. So what does a carnal-minded person do? They go to a whorehouse. Oh, I'm sorry, a brothel. Well, it's legal. Yeah, in the bad, it is legal. Yeah. The world will always find ways to get around things, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where he went. And uh, had his cocaine. Had his women. Ah, Only cost him a meager $75,000. A little pocket change. Maybe it was pocket change when he was younger. Maybe it was pocket change when he was stronger and healthier. Maybe it was pocket change when he was in the midst of a very lucrative career. Now, now he's a little older and probably more than a step slower. So he was going to escape. And of course, his heart just about stopped and his respiratory system shut down. That means he couldn't breathe on his own. The blood was coming out of his cocaine-laden nostril. His way of escape wasn't working too good. It almost killed him. It almost killed him. The devil wants to take people out. And he wants to deceive them into thinking that his way of escape is the best way. But you read in the Bible, if you read the Bible, our men have been reading, we've been giving out certain portions of or smaller books of Scripture. As you read your Bible, you'll read about that rich man that fared sumptuously and indulged in himself in everything, mocked the church, made fuss with the church, couldn't be pastored, couldn't be worked with, couldn't be encouraged, couldn't seem to find any thoughts to produce words of speaking something encouraging, and uplifting, and truthful, and positive. Oh, no, that wasn't going to happen. But then he died. And he was buried. And of course, you know, the funeral, if he was a basketball player, they'd have him slam dunking in heaven. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Or singing to the angels. You know, they will come up with all kinds of things. They'll send you off in a, a gold casket. Send off your dirt—that is your body. They can't do nothing else with your the real dirt, but they can send your this body of dust. Yeah, they'll send you off in a golden casket or urn. They can—they can make it sound right to the end, so good. They can carry the deception on and do it from generation to generation. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, I'm the door. In other words, I'm the only way. Matter of fact, he said, I am the way. It was like a woman that got all doubtful. Turned into jello, nervous pudding. Telling Jesus what all he should have done. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He will live again. I know he'll live in the resurrection. Well, I noticed she didn't specify which resurrection because there's two. Blessed and holy is he to have part in the first. And the, the people that are in the first resurrection, well, the second has no power over them because they're not they're not going to be a part of the second resurrection except to maybe stand with the Lord and judge be a part of the judgment team Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So pick up with me. We've got this church that Jesus is fixing to give his life for. He's going to He's going to give birth to the body of Christ going to cost him his life, his flesh on the cross. He is the Lamb of God. That's what that body was for. That's why the Spirit put that body, created that body, spoke that body into existence as a sacrifice. And that's why Jesus said, I have power to lay my life down and I got power to raise it up again. Nobody takes it from me. I'm giving it for this purpose. I've come, and so he did his his determination, in spite of what people said, all kinds of words and made up fabrications and you know carnal carnal ways of dealing with things. they're poor excuses for a way of escape out of their troubles and their problems and their situations. Immature and childish and carnal would begin to describe it. And they never escape. The only way anybody's going to escape is through Jesus. That means through repentance. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for all of my sorry schemes and sorry lifestyle, carnal thinking and carnal ways and means that I've employed. I'm sorry. And to show you I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to make it about faith. I'm going to change, by the grace of God, the help of God, I'm going to change my direction. And then I'm going to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, so I can be born again of water. And Being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ is what's going to wash away my sins, forgive me of my sins, give me a full pardon of my sins. Yeah. And then I'm going to, by the grace of God, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get the comforter in my life. It's going to comfort me in the hard times, in the times of tribulation, sorrow, adversity. Because it's not always going to be the wind of my back. Sometimes the wind is going to be a headwind. It's going to be in my face. It, it's going to be a force that tries to drag me backwards and downwards. You know. But the comforter, a Holy Ghost, born again of the Spirit, Completing the one baptism that places me in the body of Christ, the church. It's not a building, it's the body of believers. And it places me in that. And now I find myself looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And if I keep looking unto him, and you know the church is going to help you do that. The church is going to teach you how to do that. The church is going to encourage you to do that. We're not going to lean on other ways and ideas. Other childish and immature, like some kind of spoiled brat that tries to figure out, like a criminal. You know, criminals, they come up with these ideas and because they believe it, they think everybody else is going to believe it. They they fall for it, so they think everybody else is going to fall for it. Everybody isn't that dumb. Just as simple as that. But somehow or another, remember, we are all born in sin, and we all are shapen or misshapen in iniquity or lawlessness because it's a spirit and it the prince and the power of the air. And it has deceived us. Sin is deceitful. The Bible did use that terminology, the deceitfulness of sin. And uh, we do get deceived. We do get off in the wrong directions, And that's why the Lord came. Because His love for us in that Hateful condition, because we hated God. We were against God. We were contrary to God. In our foolish and darkened minds. But he loved us anyway. He looked past our miserable situation and he saw our deep need. And he said, I'm going to make a way of escape. And so he did. And having this opportunity to escape hell, eternity cut off from God, we need to take full advantage of it. And We need to sell out of all of our sinful ways. God help every one of us to do it and keep doing it and purchase by faith You can't can't get this with money. It says, as a matter of fact, come and buy without money. The only credit card or medium of exchange that God works in is your faith credit card. Faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So obviously, with faith, you can please God. And the writer talked about doing those things that please God. And so we start repenting. We get baptized in Jesus' name. And we get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's what saves us. That's what delivers us from a sinful lifestyle and from the wrong way of doing things and going in the wrong directions. That's what does that. That's what gives us the light, the sweet light that brightens up everything for us. And uh That's what helps us to go forward. And that's what the church did. Jesus gave birth to the church, recorded in Acts chapter 2 in your Bible, fifth book of the New Testament. And that's where people cried out to the church that Jesus had just given birth to by filling them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That people were marveling and amazed at what they were seeing and hearing And Peter preached to them because the Holy Ghost working mightily through him. He began to, the Holy Ghost that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. He began to preach to them the word of God. And it it cut them to the very quick, to the heart. They said, okay, we've heard you. Now what? Now what should we do? And that's when he taught them how to believe. If you're believing, then repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he urged them to save themselves. Do your part. Get involved. Believe. Take your God-given faith and invest it in God. Nothing else is of any value climb the highest mountain, swim the widest river and make the most money but not get born again of water and spirit? You're not going to be able to escape what's coming upon this world. And all the while, figuratively speaking, his hands and arms are outstretched widely. Beckoning, calling to everybody. And some people are still turning their back. Some people are still babbling. That's a Bible word. They babble. B a b b l e. They babble. It don't make any sense what they say. You ever hear a baby babble? And you're like, huh? You know, they're just babbling. They have not yet gotten things working coherently. We had a young boy. Actually, it was Amari. Now, we love Amari. He has a lot of trouble getting a spoon and a fork in his mouth. But he can look at a math problem and give you the right answer. Ahead of his grade level, we might have an Albert Einstein on our hands. I don't know how his hair is going to go, but you know Albert had some pretty wild hair. But, but he's the one that gave us E equals MC squared. He's the one that understood time and space. He's the one that didn't speak until he was about 10 or 12 years old. They were all sitting at the dinner table, and as usual, they were having soup. And all of a sudden, Albert Einstein for the first time in his young life spoke two words soup's cold everybody his mother said albert you spoke 10 years old never had uttered the a word they they thought there was something wrong with him the teachers said he was an idiot Talk about totally misunderstanding things, misanalyzing, misdiagnosing things. (laughs) His answer was, nothing was ever out of order before. Cold soup to Albert was out of order. Well, I'm trying to tell you something here. God's trying to take your out-of-order world and put it in order. It is written, let everything be done decently and in order. But some people are just babbling still. Some people are just making no sense. Wasting, one place in the scripture said, to what purpose? Is this waste? Well, that was actually uttered by somebody who didn't understand how God was doing things at all and didn't appreciate anything that God had done or was in the process of doing or was about to do because they were all caught up in their own selfish, carnal instant, uh, ambitions. the a better word, ambitions. Yeah. And you know, Being all caught up in the wrong spirit and going in the wrong directions and doing the wrong things is what God saves us from. He delivers us from cutting ourselves and hurting ourselves on the sharp experiences of life. You know, that's kind of what worries me about our children. It's like, we're protecting them, we're training them, we're teaching them. And, of course, you're behind us. You're not undoing what we're doing. So we'll just say we're all on the same page, and yet our children feel like when they get to be 18, they graduate from here, that that means they're graduating to go out into the world, and I can go do whatever I want. And that's not the purpose at all. That's not direction at all. That's not God's will at all. That's you putting your child in in their nice, clean, white suit or dress. And they run right out the door and jump in a great big septic tank. That isn't what you put that nice set of clothing on them for. So it's important. You know, here, let me digress for a moment. Here, we have the church. We have the academy. We have the home. And if all three of them will work together in harmony and cooperation, then we have proven that we can produce a son and a daughter of God. Oh yeah, because we teach them to be born again of water and spirit. As a matter of fact, I'm hoping right down there, right now, in those five or six classes that's going on that they are teaching them that again. We try to incorporate that every Sunday along with whatever other biblical lesson they're learning because you can't, ri- you can't ride somebody else's coattails. Now the home can provide a holy environment. That's why the Bible said else would your children be lost, but now are they saved because, in other words, you're keeping them in a holy environment, you're providing something, and as long as they're, it's like a nest, it's like a cocoon. You're, you've got them there because you're providing the right. They're not seeing the wrong things. You know. Hopefully, you don't have a television, so or a other means of cabling filth and trash into their hearts and minds. Did you read that the Oregon, the guy up there in Oregon that killed all those people on the campus? That it came out in an article just, I believe, it was yesterday, said that it was due to video games. You know. Yeah. This the enemy is using everything he can, you know, to put the wires. All kinds of misconstrued, all kinds of wrong. And they get all kinds of mixed up. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. And then they go around babbling. And nothing makes any sense at all. What they're saying. But to them, it's like one individual told me when they quit church. I said, don't quit church. I said, "That, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes sense to me. Don't shoot and kill these people. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes sense to me. Well, when you've got the wrong spirit influencing you and messing, as one individual said, them church people be messing with my head. Oh, really? That's because your head's a mess. (laughs) And we're trying to get it unmessed. My God, what a, a sad situation. When people are so mixed up and they're going in such wrong directions involving themselves with all the wrong things and somehow it's God's fault somehow it's the church's fault somehow it's the leadership's fault what a what a bunch of babble and babbling going on come on wake up here what did that little plaque Woman, the teacher slaps a person across the face. We don't do that. But anyway, did that and said, snap out of it. <laughs> you know? You need to let a, a good shot of the Holy Ghost snap you out of the fog and the darkness and the babbling that you're in. And wake up. Awake to righteousness. And Paul said, that's what I want to be found having in that day. Not mine own righteousness. He said, I want to have the righteousness of Christ. I need that. Because that's the only thing that's going to be recognized. That's the only way I'm going to be able to make it. That's my passport. That's having my papers in order. Got to have this born again experience and that's what the church gave when it was given birth to it it was given the keys to the kingdom and that's what the church was giving to people how to get into the kingdom of God how to get on the beginning path of the straight and the narrow to make heaven your home Because God so loved the world. He so loved the world. He so loved you. He so loved me. He so loved us. Do you know that there are I believe of the three what would be termed the three major religions in the world they total more than half of the world's population. You're talking about deception. And in the midst of all of that, as it's described in the Scripture, there's the lily in the valley. There's the church. There's that which sprang out of a dry ground. against all odds and the most, you know, going to be hated of all nations. Don't get caught up and be a part of that spirit of hatred. The Bible even used the terminology that old hatred. Well, isn't it kind of subject matter-like that Satan, The devil is called that old serpent. Don't get caught up in that hatred. Because people that don't believe and do not have a love of the truth are going to be taken in then by the only other alternative, an option, and it won't even be an option. It'll just be what it is. It's one or the other. It's believer or unbeliever. If you don't believe and receive a love for the truth, then a strong delusion is coming and you'll believe a lie and you'll be damned. Far better that we realize that Jesus started a work in people's hearts, the church. And he sent them. Acts chapter 2, that was the setting was Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, in the city in the country of Israel. And, uh, but God also dealt with his church that they wouldn't get cushy and be late that they would be fired up, charged up, supercharged. They'd get with it. They'd be motivated. And so they begin to reach. Philip goes down to Samaria, preaches Christ unto them. Well trained by the church. Knew what to do when he got to that city. Then the apostles came down and to help out the young, inexperienced, newly trained evangelist, Philip. The Holy Ghost began to fall. didn't stop there, though. The church kept reaching out. And that's why you have an epistle or a letter or a message written and sent to the congregation at Rome and at Corinth, and at Galatia, and Ephesus, Philippi, and Colossus, which is where we're at this morning. Because it was a group of people there that had been given Bible study, been witnessed to, and been won to the Lord. And this is where he says to them, once again I read to you, Verse 29 of Colossians 1, whereunto, oh yeah, why did he say that? Look what he said. He said, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory, of the mystery among the Gentiles or the rest of the world, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man Don't get mad at me when I warn you. Don't get mad at leadership when they warn you. You should be thanking. You should be thankful. I was riding in a car one time. I was riding shotguns. And somebody else was driving. Two people were in the back seat. And the driver started to pull right out into the intersection. And I said, Stop! And they heeded my warning. And when they hit the brake, the car went right in front of them across that intersection. And they looked at me and they said, Wow, senior pastor, thank you. I guess so. That was my side of the (laughs) car. I'd have taken the first fruit on that one, I promise you. (laughs) But uh, I'm saying, sometimes it's just that you don't see what's coming. But guess what? The pastor, the leadership, they're the watchmen on the wall. They have a better vantage point. Now what? God took Ezekiel, I don't guess God could do that to me, but he got Ezekiel by the hair of the back of his head. I don't know if he, I don't believe he had a ponytail. He probably just had a whole good hunk of hair like Brother Eddie. Well endowed head hair. And uh, I think Eddie was born with more hair than I had my whole life. He's a blessed man. uh, But anyway, God took him by the hair and Took him up to the top of the mountain. Gave him a better view of things. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman said, I see a lion. I see a lion. Yeah. So, whom we preach, Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect or complete in Christ Jesus. That's the church. Whereunto, the, the apostle said, I also labor, striving according to his working, his working, which worketh in me mightily. There's a work, a mighty work, working in you. Mightily you need to work with it work with the work The Bible teaches very plainly That God said that which I've begun I Can finish He which has begun a good work in you finish it take it to the end This isn't for you to drop out. Some people drop out and they can't even tell you why. They drop out or dropped out. Why they did that? There's got to be there is a mighty work. And you know somebody told me I guess we'll call it a vitamin or a drug, I guess would be be more accurate. It's a drug. And they said that taking that drug is like putting it like a fuel in a furnace. Well, you know, this Holy Ghost will cure what ails you. And it has no bad side effects. Most drugs have bad side effects. There's no bad side effects. I mean, when you think about it, if I put the board, nail it up over here, fix that wall, but in doing that, I tear up that wall, that's not much sense. I don't want to tear up one thing, fixing something else is my point. And to allow the Holy Ghost to work in you mightily knowing that there is no bad side effect. The Holy Ghost is going to produce the fruit unto eternal life in your heart. The Holy Ghost is going to, you know, the devil rises up through people, particularly family, to try to tear up your well-ordered Holy Ghost life. That God has stabilized you. He was uncontrollable. Chains were hanging. Cuts all over him. He was basically naked. And now, here come the town representative. The mayor came out. The alderman and the councilman. The city manager. They all came out. Because they'd heard. And they see in the sky, and they all knew who he was. And key word there might be was past him. They looked at him, and now he's clothed. How did God do that? Isn't that amazing? Maybe Jesus brought a trunk with him on that ship. I don't know. Maybe hey, he had a couple of disciples and it just didn't mention it. Hey, go bring the trunk out here. This guy needs some... duds. Uh, pull out the Ralph Lauren and the Tommy Bahama. Get it over here. Find out what size he is. And measure him up. Suit him up. Make him presentable. Whatever. He was cold. He was sitting. Okay? I had a student one time. I have to say I had him because I had him. You know, in the learning center downstairs... I used to teach in there. I don't think anybody here is old enough. I, uh, yeah, you weren't here that far back. Maybe Clarissa, I don't know. And Eddie, but I don't think so. I think it was before your time. Because uh, you all were pretty young. But um, I uh, I had 67 students. One of them is a, is a vice president of the Bank of Belgrade. Of, uh, I had 67 students by myself. Now, if that won't test your bowels, nothing else will, because you couldn't leave and go to the bathroom. There were not no bathroom breaks. Now, some of you folks go to the bathroom on me. In church, in one hour, you go two or three times. I'm a little concerned about your kidneys. Mary don't go, and she's had a kidney transplant. <laughs> Think about that. They must have done a good job, Mary. We prayed a lot. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, yeah, this guy is sitting. I had a student that could not sit still. Finally, I took his desk and put it right up next to my desk. That didn't change a thing. Just the location of his desk. That's all it did. Sometimes, you've heard about people could take their, their legs and put their feet behind their head. I believe he could do that. I would find him in the most unorthodox, contorted positions in that desk. Sometimes his head would be down and his feet would be up on the desk. He, w- It was just unbelievable. I thought Artie was bad. But you're not as bad as he was. And don't try to get there, neither. I think you're too heavy to do all that stuff. Yeah, This guy was wiry. <laughs> and he was... Uh, I mean, he was everywhere, 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 constantly in motion, constantly in motion. But that's how this guy was. He's full of the devil. Nobody could do anything with him. Not the kid in the school. This is the guy in the Bible. And <laughs> once you get mixed up. And now he is sitting. We got him clothed, and he's got him sitting. And the Bible said, and now he's in his right mind. Now, that's Bible terminology, right mind. That means his mind was sound. That means he had good judgment. That means there's wisdom going on in there now. You know, the Bible did say if you lack that, you could ask God and he'll give it liberally. Some people don't because they don't ask. He said, you have not because you ask not. Well, I'm asking, yeah, but you're asking wrong. You're asking to win the lottery. That's why he said, when you ask, you ask amiss. You ask wrong. You should be asking for wisdom. Wisdom to win souls, because he that wins souls is wise. Don't ask amiss. Don't consume it, the Bible said, on your own lust, your own strong desires.' That's what happened to the, the nine of the ten lepers. Eat up. Fingers gone, nose hanging off. Eyeball gone. Ear off. Crying unclean. Don't come near us. We have we have sin, we have we have cancer, we have leprosy. Don't come near us. One day they see Jesus. You know it's a marvelous miracle to see the real Jesus. The truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, to see the truth. You can have this so much and so long that you can really get ho-hum about it. You can really take it for granted. And that spirit that comes ugly, it just starts twisting everything and gets you to disdain everything. And uh, Jesus is approached by these ten lepers because they see him. And Jesus says, Go and do things lawfully. You know, Jesus will teach you to do things the right way. Once again, it was an effort, they had to be obedient headed down the road to do just what Jesus said. And in route they realized that their fingers were there. I told the brother of a young woman who has five children now, but when we had her, she was like 10 or 12 years old in our my wife's learning center seems to the learning center downstairs. I told you I had 67 in one room. She had 27 in what is now the kitchen. It wasn't a kitchen then. Didn't have the cabinets and refrigerator and all that stuff. And uh, I would, had we had the door in between so I could fluidly go in there if there was any problem or anything. And one day I just kind of peeked in to make sure everything was okay. And uh, this one girl lived in the trailer park over here. And uh, she had warts all over her arms and her hands, elbow, everything. And they'd always hit somehow on the edge of the desk. I guess they weren't sanded well enough and shellacked well enough or whatever. And they'd bleed. Well, and we had uh, the kids come in upstairs here just like they are right now from Sunday school. But well, we would have them come from the learning center, the school downstairs. And they would come in and they would, uh, we would have chapel. And I had a, asked a preacher to come in and he was preaching for the church and I asked him if he would like to speak as a guest at our chapel service. And so he did. And we had a wonderful service. And I, I don't remember then, it, our total at one time was 156 students. That's when we lost our minds. Did I actually bring my phone to church? Let me show you how we handle that. How we handle that. No phones in church. Patrick, come take my phone to the office, will you? That was a mistake. Well I tell people all the time you can get me anytime my phone and my hip are joined together, so you know what can I say? Only that phone doesn't have a clip, so it just has to ride my my hip bone, I guess you might call it, my backbone or something. Uh so anyway, your kids call come in. We have this awesome service. Holy Ghost has fallen, power of God, I mean we had church. And uh Couple of days go by and I go again, I slip into Jesus Fellows Learning Center, make sure everything's okay. And um, I see this little girl, Renee, and I I don't know why, but something drew me to her office and I went over there and I, I said, Renee, how you doing? She said, Fine. That's okay. I said, um, hey. I said Where's your warts? Because I didn't see them. And they were always bleeding. And she said, oh, they're gone. I said, what do you mean they're gone? She said, we had the chapel service. She said, they went away. You know, what broke my heart then. It breaks my heart now. How great God is. How loving God is. How kind God is how he just does things. I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to take that for granted. Man. And I told, he's a grown man now. And I I broke down telling him yesterday. I remember her coming to the restaurant down the street on the lake called the Drawbridge when it was there. Now it's at the Elks. But it used to be down there. I don't know when the last time she was down there, so I don't know how many years have passed. But Renee, now grown and married and five kids, was there. I hadn't seen her in years. And I said, I was with Brother and Sister Weekly, and I don't know who else. And and, uh, when I saw her, I got up and I said, Renee, is that you? And she said, yeah. And she came over, you know, and she greeted us. and, And all of a sudden, I grabbed her arm. And I ran my hand up and down. And I said, they're still gone, aren't they? And boy, she broke Yeah. <laughs> God does a good job. Church He does a good job. I felt like the high priest of the Old Testament or the one that Jesus sent him to, you know, give him an exam, check them all out, you know. Man, I was checking those arms and that elbow. Ah, oh, friend, it was not one trace. And those lepers were on their way to show themselves according to the law, for an examination. And they noticed that they were completely healed. And boy, all of a sudden, those nine pushed the afterburner button, and they took off like rockets in nine different directions. But one, one man, did the right thing. He made a U-turn, and he headed back to the source. And he came, and he fell down, and he worshipped Jesus. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, the Creator of the universe, asked a question: "Where? Weren't there ten of you?" Question number one. Where? Where are the nine? is there just this one to come back do we do we come and get all that we get from God just to take it and go out into the world with it The Bible said that the individual was given a talent of gold, which was in that day worth about, comparative to our day, was probably worth somewhere around twenty-five hundred dollars. And he, the Bible said he, came back and told the Lord he. Well, the Lord did an accounting. There is going to be an accounting. That's what nobody likes. Nobody wants to be accountable. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm eighteen. Well, you'll be saying the same thing when you're 48, 58. And you're still doing your thing and your life is in a mess. Yeah. He said, uh, well, what'd you do with what I gave you? He said, well, I I got, I earned five more. And he said, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He said, now because you are faithful over a little bit, I'm going to make you rule over much. And he doubled what he had. And then the other guy, Gave him two talents. What'd you do? I same thing. I I doubled it. I did great. Very successful. Spiritually. Okay. I'm gonna gonna make you ruler because you've been faithful. And then he came to the one that he gave one talent to. And I guess the first guy should have said he gave him five, right? Sorry. Comes that last one, he gives him one talent. And what'd you do? Well, I knew what you were like. You're hard. You're disciplined. In other words, he didn't want to cough it up, but you're a good businessman. (laughs) And so I took what you gave me and I wrapped it up and I dug a hole in the earth and I buried it. In other words, I just got all wrapped up and I invested myself in the world. I took everything that you taught me from Sunday school on up. And I mentioned this morning, this church, the school, and the home. I just took everything and I invested it, gave it to the world. You know, I've heard of young people in the church raised up to sing, they wound up to be drunkards in nightclubs. Oh, yeah. They took what God gave them. One man played the guitar, wound up in the nightclub, and he told us, the preacher told it, said that every time at a certain hour in the beginning of his show in the nightclub, that the Holy Ghost would visit him and talk to him. And he'd get mad. He'd tell the Holy oh, Ghost, get away from that. me! And you know, after a while, the Holy Ghost did just that. The Holy Ghost didn't come visit him anymore. And the last they heard of him, he would say, I can never get back. I can never get back. I can't get back to where the Holy Ghost is. I can't get back to where Jesus is. There's a mighty work, the writer said, working in me mightily. The Holy Ghost. Working in your mightily. services, the Holy Ghost is working mightily. God's power, God's presence, God's glory. We're living in a time period. The word is dispensation. We're living in a particular time period known as grace, church age, church time. Think of it like a window or a door closing. Not much time left. Your life itself is short. The Bible said that. But a vapor. More or less here today, gone tomorrow. Not very long at all. And he's pounding. He's working in your life. He's wanting to shape you and mold you. You know, New York City is a humongous place. I remember taking the kids there, and we came to the corner because of the light, and there were people everywhere. And the kids were like, what happened? They're like, what do you mean, what happened? Something must have happened. Look at all the people. No, honey, they're just waiting to cross at the crosswalk as soon as the light changes. Oh, never seen so many people in one little area, you know. they're just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Huge place. Over 10 million people in the five boroughs. And uh, I'm saying to you that people are running to and from. They're everywhere, chasing all kinds of things, confused and chasing after things, just like the nine lepers but there's the one. There's that lily of the valley. There's that body of Christ in a sea of over six billion people and more than half of them are steeped in false doctrine bound by spirits. What did 2 Corinthians 4 say? In whom the small g, lowercase g, God of this world hath blinded their minds, lest at any time they should see the glory of Jesus Christ. See, see His gospel, see His truth, in other words, see this message, recognize it. And while you've got that eye-opening experience, while you've got that opportunity. No wonder the Bible said, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. You hear me? When it said today, it's talking about, hello, it's talking about this dispensation. It's talking about this period of time. That's why he said, today is a day of prayer. He said, now is our salvation nearer. Right now. Right here. Right now. What a great opportunity. Everybody said, I have. I have. Okay. What a great opportunity. Don't squander it. Don't babble it away. Don't waste it. Don't Have an attitude that you don't appreciate it or that you're what did uh, the writer said in the Holy Ghost that in the time in which we are living right now he said there will be unthankfulness don't be unthankful that would be a characteristic of our generation don't be unholy don't let these things to where you become a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. He's working mightily. Maybe we need to reciprocate. Maybe we need to try a little harder. Help us, Jesus. Help us. Working mightily. You know, in conclusion, Nineveh, and it was described as they didn't know their left hand from their right. So if you told them, go left, they went this way. <laughs> no, they didn't know that's how ignorant they were or lacking in knowledge that they were. And yet the Bible teaches that when the preacher preached, a reluctant preacher at that, he was always wanting to go on vacation. He wanted to go down to Tarshish. He wanted to take a cruise to Tarshish. I'm not sure what Holy Ghost people do on a cruise anyway, and I'm not against them. I'm just not sure what they do. But anyway. uh, Or he wanted to sit under a shade tree. You know. And God said, how is it? We've got 180,000 plus people who don't know their left hand from their right. How, how is it that you have this attitude? How is it that you care more about your vacation time than you do about these lost people? And there's nothing wrong with the vacation. Tom took two. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm happy for you As long as you're careful. But anyway, point B Point being that the Bible said that the people of Nineveh, from the king down to a dog, cried mightily unto God. So maybe we need to put a little more into it. Because he's working mightily in us. And he said, I'll work a work, friend. Matter of fact, he said it three times, so I guess it's work, work, and more work, isn't it? But what greater thing to be working in? What greater occupation? What could be more noble? And the benefits. Wave at me if you're interested in the benefits of your job. Be honest. You negotiate because of the benefits. Well, guess what? Our benefits are out of this world. Praise God. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Don't be hoodwinked. Don't be tricked. The Bible did say to put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand the tricks and the wiles of the enemy. Okay? He's out to trick you. He's out to deceive you. The deceitfulness of sin. He's out to do that. So we want the mighty God, and He is called that in Isaiah 9 and 6 for one place, the mighty God who's working mightily. His Spirit is working. His Holy Spirit is working. And it's a gift that that is working mightily in us. Work in my limits. How about if you let God take a negative and turn it into a positive? Let God take your rage, your temper, and deliver you from that and turn that into a, a zeal for the Lord. A determination. Paul said, for I'm determined. Determined. Not to know anything else among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm going to cut off these other things. I'm going to focus on doing the work and living for God. Because it's working in me mightily. It's working in me mightily. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Dear God, I praise you and I need your help. We all need your help. Oh, great God, I bless the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Won't you please, God, touch our hearts. Please, oh, great God, minister to our minds. Oh, God, hear me as I call on you. Hear me, God, as I call on you. I thank you for everything you've done and everything you're doing. I repent, oh, Lord, of every mistake, every fault, every failure. Oh God, oh God, every waste. My Father, my God, help us to be about thy business. Help us, God, to do your most holy will. In Jesus' name we pray, oh God. Thank you, dear Lord. Come on, let's sing and worship. Amen, 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 amen. I bless you, holy God. I praise you, holy God. I worship you, Holy God. Spirit of God. Fill me up with your love. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up with your press. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up with your power. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up with your love. I